0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. In this episode of The Paddock and the Pavilion, I'm back with Ebony rainford brent the director of women's cricket at Surrey County Cricket Club, to discuss her exciting new ACE program and also to talk about the return of international women's cricket between England and the West Indies, which starts on Monday the 21st of September. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Ebony. Welcome back to the Paddock and the Pavilion.
0: Hi, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it.
1: Right. Today we're going to mainly concentrate on your exciting new ACE program at uh, Surrey County Cricket Club and what that means for the game of cricket and also the return of international women's cricket, which starts on Monday the 21st with England playing a five-match T20 series against the West Indies. But firstly, I can see you're back home, so with your drum kit in the background. So have, <laughs> you been playing, have you been playing the drums?
0: Yeah, well, not a huge amount, but yeah, I had a little go a couple of days ago. But yeah, good to be home. We've been in the bubble for nearly sort of two and a half months or so in and out. So um, yeah, I think I'm nearly finished with the bubble. Still got to do some stuff around the women's series, but just so nice
1: to be home. It must take a while to unpack all the cases.
0: Oh yeah, there's, there's still a lot of uh, tidying up to do, that's for sure. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll move that to October, don't worry about
1: that. <laughs> well, let's get started then with your exciting new programme, the African-Caribbean Engagement. Where did you get the idea from?
0: Yeah, so a mixture of things really. Um, Geoffrey Archer made sort of his debut last year and kind of burst onto the scene in such a powerful way. And just watching him through the World Cup, we, you know, I just remember thinking to myself that, you know, he could be someone that the black community could leverage for 10 years. We knew that, you know, many articles come out that say that the black participation at professional level was declining significantly by 75%. And so, yeah, it was between that and having a conversation with our chief executive, Richard Gould, and he'd spoken to a player called Lonsdale Skinner, who's um, the head of the African Caribbean Cricket Association. Between all of us, we were just like, we need to do something to try and reignite the The black British cricket community, really, um, especially on our doorstep, considering we were in a a pretty key area in in Lambeth and and London. So yeah, that was it. The plan was to get something done and get it quickly. We didn't want to wait sort of five years as we built out this long term strategy, which you know, we want to do, but we wanted to get some results quickly. And so we decided to set up the academy and find whatever talent was out there now and give them the best opportunity to be able to make it. So, yeah, it kind of came about a mixture of Joffre Archer, conversations um, around the, the decline and just deciding let's do something.
1: Great, because we've only actually had three Black England debutants um, since 1999. Mm. So what what was the response, though, when you when you set up the programme?
0: Yeah, really surprising. Um, we just used a bit of marketing to announce that we were launching this scheme. Well, you know, we, we looked at our clubs and our pathways and there were hardly any black players. So we were thinking no one would turn up. Um, over 100 kids turned up, very high quality, some affiliated to some clubs and some black British clubs and many not, but still quite highly skilled at the sport. So we then had a big response from the black community through black players, uh, black newspapers and outlets, which were showing that there's a real interest for cricket. So what it told me is not that there's not interest out there, that cricket's not reached out to the community and, and engaged it. Um, so it was, it was, I think that was a positive because we expected it to be really low not not to have much interest at all and it was a complete flip opposite and then we also found talent an example would be one player is about to play for surrey under 18s next week and you know that's incredible to think there's someone of that standard that could play in surrey 18s possibly you know could be in junior academy in next couple of years and we had no clue about them so good is, signs that there are players out there
1: this is caro i've seen him on the television yeah
0: no, Cairo's not going to make, no, it's not Cairo, oh, it's, but Cairo's oh. the one, yeah, Cairo's the sweetheart, he's the one that wants to play, well, he, you know, he's such a sweetheart, he wants to play for England, yeah, he's done a few pieces, he did one for BBC, so he's in the Academy, uh, in the Ace Academy, he played in two matches, and again, you know, he's got a couple of years in the Academy to push it as hard as he can.
1: So who's the, the lucky man who's uh, getting into the Academy then?
0: Yeah, young kid, well, because I don't know if I can say it because David. Oh, did, right. I haven't checked with the parents. You know, no, but I'm I'll right, tell you, yeah. you know, if, if we do a story on him, which fingers crossed it all goes well, then, you know, we'll, we'll announce that. But it's just one of those you wait till you don't want to give kids' names out without checking with the parents and stuff. Okay. But he's done, you know, he's done really well. And we're quite excited to
1: see him. Was well, it a mixture of boys and girls?
0: yeah we struggled with the girls to an extent so we had 7 girls out of 100 turn up which is a lot lower than we would want we we didn't expect 50 50 but we were hoping for maybe 25 30 girls and two have been selected on the ace academy so that tells us that there's work to do i think in the the female space in the black british females um you know, if, if we look at the culture in the the schools and who's playing and stuff like that in our community, I don't think the girls' schools or the girls get as much access. So that's down to us now to go out and and start that pathway. So good, to, good. We got a couple a young girl called Natasha. You might have seen a video about her. She was just so passionate about it and loves the game um, and just pleased that she made it. And there's one more girl, but we we realised we've got a bit of work to do to engage the the Black British girls.
1: Twenty four young cricketers joined the academy. Which was originally intended for only 16 but as ebony said the quality was so good they upped the figure what does the program involve it's quite a variety as well isn't it
0: yeah the the academy itself is like a traditional academy so i mean covid got in the way so we haven't rolled it it's not been ideal but the plan is you know you get your your one-to-one coaching support your group training Psychology, personal development, everything that kind of goes, you know, uh, strength and conditioning, so everything that goes into a, a traditional sort of performance program. On top of that, we've allowed additional budgets that are available if kids need equipment or potentially travel support because the kids might be coming from different communities. You know, at the moment, most of our kids go to private schools with, you know, possibly, you know, help at home to be able to drive the kids around, but we're aware that. Majority of our kids are state schools, uh, sort of 80% or so are state schools. So we've just added in an extra buffer budget, which allows support if that's needed. So that's, that's kind of part of that. And then on top of that, we're looking to roll out this winter a community program, which is going to run as well, which is going to go into the schools in the high-density back populations, create community clubs, and then also have talent ID, so that we can find talent within the community and give them every opportunity to progress.
1: And is this something that can go nationwide to other cities like Birmingham and Manchester?
0: Yeah, massively. My my dream is, um, you know, and I've had a few conversations, my dream is for ECB or, you know, some of the bigger parties to, to get engaged and get involved. We've spoken to them loosely. I don't know where that will progress, but someone like them or if not, you know, a partner to come in and we we would support rolling this out. I think it's really easy to do. It's just concentrated effort and concentrated effort where you take into consideration what a community needs and what sort of people they need to engage them and the dream would be to have it in four or five cities you think about you know areas of Birmingham, Manchester, Bristol where there there are Caribbean clubs and communities playing in those areas already so you know it's a no-brainer for me to just go out and, and reach out and engage them so that's the dream that's the dream to have it in four or five cities.
1: I'm familiar with All Stars at uh, my local club at March but Obviously, this programme is for 11 to 18 year olds. Are the the, uh, younger children under 11, the black community, getting involved in All Stars and the Dynamos as well? Because that's important to get them to to get to your programme as well.
0: Yeah, I think so. All Stars and Dynamos are great. I think if you look at where provision is based in... In the UK, and I you know, speak specifically for ours. The provision is rarely in the inner-city Black communities. You know, you might find in Surrey, All Stars might be running in, you know, parts of the leafier parts of Surrey working. Um, maybe Spence Cricket Club would be the closest in a London, but you tend to find that that these programs aren't running in those communities. So, hence, by that nature, it's it's exclusive. You know, they're great programs if they're running in the community, but they're not. Um, you know, I don't know where your, your local club is, but it depends. If there isn't a high population of diversity, then it might be a really good program, but it's just not tapping a different audience. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what, why we've decided to, and, you know, I think we could take an All-Stars model and put it in Lambeth and grow it and we would get success. But it's more about where it's placed and how you engage.
1: Certainly with the BBC TV coverage now, that's obviously going to help more engagement as well with people actually seeing people on the television, people like role models and heroes, like you're saying, at Joppa Archer.
0: Yeah, it's massive. I think that access, I hope there's a stat that all of Alistair Cook's runs were scored, you know, behind a paywall. So, you know, Sky TV or private TV. And, you know, on one hand, it's incredible because the amount of investment that's come from that sort of Commercial aspect of investment has gone into growing in the women's game and the grassroots in some ways, but I think that lack of visibility has been, you know, really, really affected the the awareness of the public. So this coming back now, um, this summer, uh, this summer a little bit, you know, we had a few ODIs, etc., and T20s and some highlight shows. But I think once the hundred and the internationals are on next summer, it's going to be incredible, a real big platform to. To, to, to just inspire some more kids and, and various backgrounds as well. You know, Cairo that you mentioned, his hero is Joe Root. So it doesn't matter whether he sees Joffre or Joe Root. I just want him seeing some access to, you know, those players.
1: But widening like you're doing, the accessibility of cricket's got to be good for the game because one of the test matches against Pakistan this summer, we had nine, nine players who were privately educated. There was only uh, Chris Wokes and Jimmy Anderson mm-hmm. who'd gone to a state school.
0: Yeah, look, I think you know what I what I think about the ACE programs. It's less to do with the black community, and actually the model is who do we want to bring in the game? You know, there's the working white working class in the northeast. There's a big chunk there that you know I think programs with the thinking of ACE, and not ACE, but with the thinking of tapping into that community could work. As I said, the South Asian community, for example, where we are, we have a big Portuguese community in our doorstep. So what I would say is I would like each county to represent its community so that will make up will be different you know you might not have a higher population of black people in durham but what are the the demographics between the working class the public schools etc and you want it to be more reflective so our game hasn't done as well as other sports such as football reaching out and you know making it more of a accessible sport so i think that we've got problems around socio-economic challenges as well as engaging different ethnicities
1: well that's the counties have certainly might not be able to afford overseas players so much so and we've seen in the Bob Willis trophy they've, they've been playing more of their sort of local mm. players so hopefully that will continue as well
0: yeah I think so. Uh, local local talent is the dream right uh, you just just get behind you know if someone's come through a structure and a system and you know you can say to a young kid look that that person went to the school you did or went to one of these schools and looked at, you know, that whole narrative of, you know, locally produced talent is, is brilliant. Like you say, with the coal pack that might be affected through Brexit, which might mean there may be less access to overseas players or potentially like that, then you're going to need to really crank up your investment in producing local players and you'll be rewarded for that. So I think it's, it's brilliant. You know, sorry, you know, you see in sort of um, – the men's are one thing I suppose we have been proud of, as well as, you know, accessing some high quality overseas. But we have seen players like Sam Curran, Rory Burns, Jason, Roy, all these guys come through the academy. Um, and I think it does mean a, a lot to the county when you see home produced talent.
1: Certainly. But changing tack now, looking ahead to presumably your next time in a bubble. when you Are you going <laughs> off to Derby? Yeah,
0: I'll be there. I'll be heading up Monday. I think it all kicks off. So, um, yeah, the women's series
1: coming up. And we must really thank the West Indies for, for coming over, replacing the scheduled trips from South Africa and India.
0: Yeah, I think there's two people to thank, really. First of all, you know, the West Indies, as men and women, um, for taking the first risk on both fronts, on the men's and the women's, to come to a country that, as we all know, the ORA the and everything going on, It especially coming from a country where there are hardly any issues or you know, that takes a lot, um, and that's a real sacrifice. I know the men took a pay cut. I'm not sure what the sin- women's scenario is, but it is a, a real boost for the game to have them to come over. So well done to them, and I think also to ECB and everybody working behind the scenes to make it happen because, you know, it was difficult for India, who didn't make it because of their issues. South Africa didn't allow national teams to travel, although individuals were going to IPL. So it's, it's a big boost because if we didn't have women's cricket, This summer, I think that would have signalled a really bad sign about the investment and the growth of the women's game. So it's going to make such a difference having them here.
1: Yes, I would say we beat the West Indies last, uh, well, this year actually, in the T20 World Cup. How do you think the series will Mm. go?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because um, they've come out pretty much, they're coming over with their full to to accept uh, Anissa Mohammed, who's a brilliant spinner. She's not coming. But West Indies in T20 cricket are always quite scary. If they get a good wicket where they can get good timing, you know, it's not early green, green in April, May in the season where the ball's moving around. It might be a little bit flatter and a little bit, you know, some decent wickets. Derby hasn't been used a huge amount. So I think West Indies could be dangerous, even if they don't win the series. You know, I'd expect them to pick up two or two and potentially three games just out of their talent and their skill level. They've got the big names there, you know, the likes of Stephanie Taylor, DeAndre Dottin, um, Brittany Cooper. These are all big hitters that could be pretty dynamic. So England are going to have to be wary.
1: Will the West Indies be a bit lacking in match practice?
0: Yeah, they will be. And, you know, England women, they would have been playing right now in this Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy, which is taking place. And... Um, you know they've also been in camps for a good while now. Since so June, so England will be motoring. The West Indies have been playing in their their inter-squad matches, and it's never quite the same, is it? You never get that. You never get get that match intensity. So uh, you know I would assume maybe the first match and second match they may be a bit rusty, a bit like we saw. I think we've even seen that with the Australian men. Mm. You know they've they've just kind of been a little bit off at times, which has seen them kind of lose two key games. And I think that is to do with match practice as well. Um, So for the women, I think games one and two could be hairy, but I think by game three, they might warm up.
1: Yes. So the series starts on Monday the 21st, going on until the 30th of September. And the third game is on BBC TV, which will also be the first, I think, women's game on BBC since
0: 1993. Wow, that's incredible, right? And that 1993, I'm guessing that's the World Cup final that made it onto screen. But that just kind of sums it all up doesn't it how you know how long and how far cricket's been out of consciousness you think of what we saw with the women's football world cup which had 11 million views for their semi-final only last summer or so and you just think about the potential audience so even though it's just one game you know you can't expect miracles from one game what it is is sort of starting to pave that pathway for accessibility and visibility to the masses
1: well, we did have um, 86,000 watching the World uh, World T20 final in the early part of the year. So that was a showed the enthusiasm for the women's game.
0: Yeah, the game's grown massively. Yeah, I was out there in um, Australia at the NCG, which was just incredible to see such a packed crowd. And I think that, you know, that's the one thing that's frustrating about COVID as such is that it's the biggest growth I've seen. You know, you had a packed 2017 World Cup final at Lords. You know, we're seeing more and more stats around things like that game in 2017 was the most viewed cricket match on Sky Full stop. Um, men or women's that summer, 1.1 billion digital views for the ICC World T20 for the women's game. You know, these numbers are incredible. So let's just hope that the appetite's there and... You know, once we just start to build this platform, then in another couple of years' time, we could be inspiring more and more generations.
1: Well, hopefully, as you said yourself, they're starting to play on better grounds as well.
0: Yeah, I think I think you've got to get the right grounds for the women's game. Sometimes, you know, an example would be Hove, which is a maybe a four to six thousand stadium capacity. Um, Hove in Brighton has has hosted many of the women's KSL finals, and that's been perfect because of the the size has been packed. It's been a family atmosphere. But then if you have a bigger match like a World Cup final, you know, you can pack lords and that's good to know. So I think we're seeing higher, higher quality and I think you've got to get the right venue for, you know, the right event. But I think what that's what we're seeing is is just more and more access to, to good facilities and,
1: and good quality um, experience. You've, miss, you've missed out on these better grounds and professional uh, ladies cricket, haven't you, yourself? Yeah, what, uh,
0: you know, we played on, you know, oh, oh, we got one or two games at the Oval during my day or internationals we played at some good grounds, you know, you know, done the rounds at some really good grounds in India and, you know, um, Australia and Sydney Oval, you know, places like that. But um, you're right, it's another level now. The players are training at much better facilities and getting real good access.
1: Well, thank you for that. So you're you're thinking England to win about Three, two, four, one, or something like that.
0: Yeah, something like that. That sounds about right. Three, two, four. If it's four, one, that one of the games will go down to the wire as well.
1: Well, thank you very much for that. And you'll soon be going back to another bubble. Uh, so you still got a chance to sample some of David Lloyd's slow gym before you go back.
0: Yeah, I've still got a little. I actually um, he brought a few to a quiz, and I asked him if he didn't mind, and I just stole the the dregs of it. So I've got three bottles with dregs of different types of inflow and gooseberry vodka so i'm set i'm set <laughs>
1: well, well don't drink too much of it but uh, i'll try um, not to well thank you very much again for being on the paddock and the pavilion hearing about your exciting ace program and good luck with that and uh, the best of luck also when you return to the bubble uh, sometime at the end of this week i guess
0: thanks so, so much Stephen. great to have you having me on again thank you
1: thanks very much Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pad and Pab. Sports Social Podcast Network.